Okay, Booker Tov, everybody. Um, we um, we began a discussion um, about uh, the Kabbalah, or the. We'll start off with the biographical sketch of um, Yitzchak Luria, known to us as uh, the Ariya Kadosh, um, and uh, he he becomes, I would say, the greatest expositor of. Kabbalah that we at least work with uh, in today's day and age. Um, from his time on, he was recognized as probably the greatest Kabbalist um, to grace us. Uh, and he, uh, in a short sp- span of time, which is unusual, I mean, for somebody to do, to pass away so young, and at the same time, even to reveal the level of learning that he had is just uh, extraordinary. So, um, Again, let's just quickly um, go through the bio sketch again quickly. Um, so I mentioned to you last week at the end of our shir that the Ari, Rav Yitzchak ben Shomoluria, his surname was Ashkenazi. His family had come from the city of Lorraine. Um, so he was born and, uh, you know, as a, as, as a so-called link in the chain of Ashkenazim. Um, he was born in Yerushalayim, and, he, you know, his, his, his father's side, at least, came from, from Ashkenaz. Um, but he lost his father while he was a young a young baby, and uh, his mother moved with him to uh, join her brother, who could take care of them, you know, in uh, in Cairo, in Egypt. And that's where the uh, Rav Yitzhak Luria, the Arizal, got his first foot up into the world of Talmud. Um, he would uh, he studied with the Radvaz of David ben Zimra and Rabbi Salah Ashkenazi, and he was recognized already as a as a, a genius of note. Um, he marries he marries his uncle's daughter, um, and uh, he's taken care of financially uh, in that particular system. He marries in 1549, so if he's born. In 1534, uh, he's 15 years old when he when he actually gets married. Uh, he spent six years um, in intensive study with Rabbi Talal Ashkenazi, and uh, those who are familiar with uh, Talmudic um, study will know the commentary on on the Talmud by uh, by Rabbi Talal Ashkenazi called the Shita Mukubetzet, and Arizal is involved with him. Um, in collaboration of some of those um, commentaries. Um, but uh, the, the part that interests us in, in terms of uh, understanding Kabbalah is that we don't, we don't really know how he gets this, gains this knowledge, who is his teacher in these, in these areas. Um, but it sounds like he, 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 he secludes himself in a particular kind of a house, if you will, will or a place, um, in, in Egypt, near the Nile, where he has uh, literally solitude the entire week until he returns home for Shabbos. And um, he develops the saintly personality based on these uh, study of, of Kabbalistic texts and ideas um, to the point where, you know, he has, uh, he has interaction with Eliyahu Anavi uh, on that, on that, in that, in those uh, spiritual realms. And the tradition that we have is that um, he uh, he was pushed by uh, Eliyahu Anavi to leave um, Egypt and to go to to Israel and settle in Sfat, where there was a another neshama there waiting to absorb um, and collect all his uh, all his teachings, and that person's name was Rebbeim Vital. So you have you have these kind of a partnership here. Um, between uh, the Arizal, Rabbi Yitzchak Luria, and, uh, and, and uh, Rabbi Chaim Vital, who eventually is the one who clarifies his teachings and um, starts to create a little school around him where he, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he motivates people in the, in the, in the Kabbalah of the Arizal. Now, um, the Ari arrives in Tzvat in the, in the year 1570. And he's there, you know, um, for two years until he dies. Uh, so he passes away in, in, in 1572. Um, in those two years, 
Um, he 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 touches. He, he becomes a kind of a quasi Talmud a pupil of Rabosha Cordovero, who at the time was the recognized head of of uh, of of, uh, of Kabbalah. Um, but uh, Ramosha Cordovero dies shortly after the Rizal's arrival. Um, but within within that within that eighteen months of them being together, I think it is. I thought I thought it was a bit less, like six months. Um, last time I looked at it, but I saw some um, some data on this where there was about eighteen months of overlap. Um, at that point in time, he understands Ramosha Cordovero's system of Kabbalah better than anyone. And uh, he then, um, he essentially takes Moshe Cordovero's Kabbalah and he, he in introduces concepts into uh, Moshe Cordovero's Kabbalah, which makes it very different from what, um, you know, sort of like adds to it in a way. And he, he interjects um, principles uh, that, uh, that, that I guess reshape it, if you will. Um, and I'm going to try and see if I can um, just summarize what um, what the result did and what was the little what what were the principles that made his um, you know Kabbalah stand out uh, so much. So um, essentially, what uh, um, what I want to try and just show you is uh, um, yeah, let's let's take one of the one of the major principles that. Um, that differentiate or, or you know show the difference between where Moshe Cordovero was going and where and when the Arizal um you know sort of come sort of comes in. Now um you know one of the one of the major one of the major basic doc doctrines of uh, of the Arizal's Kabbalah is um you know works like this. There's um when you, when you, when you, uh, I guess, focus on what we've been discussing until now, is that Ramosha Cordovero, in a way, uh, he um, he tried to teach us how uh, to imitate God as the basis of Jewish morality, and so um, what we were discussing was all these unbelievable ideas that came out of knowing a little bit about how Hashem communicated to Moshe Rabbeinu uh, the nature, the character traits of, of God. And, um, and we were to imitate that, and by, the, and, and by doing so, we would become uh, developed an ethical system. Now, um, Moshe Cordovero's approach was to demonstrate that Hashem created the world in such a way that the universe is perfectly balanced between uh, certain, certain uh, the yin and yang, if you will, of uh, of of uh, spiritual ideas, um, and there was this perfectly balanced metaphysical law that that mirrored uh, natural law, and uh, and that a person was supposed to use these ideas to try and uh, sharpen and polish one's uh, one's character. In a way, it was almost like a, a kabbalistic. Uh, Musar, a kind of an ethical approach to how to elevate the nature of a human being. Uh, this was Ramosha Cordovero's focus, to the, the best of my understanding. Um, what, what, where the focus now shifts into the Arizal's Kabbalah is that it's not, he, he wants to try and take it not just to a point where uh, a human being looks to improve himself. In the in the in the greater scheme of Hashem's world, but but yeah, the Arizal says we want to change, we want to we want to fix the world. Um, so we're not focusing so much on um, uh, you know at least in the theory on every single human being um, when we start to teach the idea, and it's it's more than just uh, you know improving the nature of every human being, but it's doing so in such a way that you uh, you engage. You engage with an entire cosmic drama, which uh, which starts from the interaction between Hashem and uh, the physical universe, and um, yeah, the Arizal starts to teach as to how the world was created, and what uh, spiritual pathways were used in doing so, and um, 
that part is also similar to where the Ramosha Cordovera is coming from. But yeah, the major focus is that um, there's an actual crisis that takes place uh, as Hashem interacts with the physical universe, uh, a cataclysmic crisis that starts from the beginning of, of, of the creation of the universe and is ongoing until the end of days. And the crisis uh, is called, in, in Kabbalistic terminology, it's called Shvirata Kalim, the shattering of the vessels. And uh, this is one particular major theme that Arizal introduced. Um, what really, how do we describe it in simple English? Um, it's like this. It's that Hashem as an entity is to be described as an infinite uh, bright light, um, which to contain that light is impossible. The, the light or the heat is, is so overpowering that uh, Hashem has to um, constrict himself in a way um, to try and create a, a possibility of infinity and finitude uh, existing without, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in, a, in a balance. And so it's as if Hashem creates these, these vessels um, and then puts, allows his light to shine into these vessels. Um, but the, the vessels cannot contain uh, Hashem's, Hashem's heat or light. Um, so it's as if we're saying we're going to create a physical world and call the physical world with all its uh, parts uh, vessels for the sake of this discussion. And we're going to uh, expose light into these vessels or it's if you're going to pour, uh, you know, boiling oil into a, into a, into a clay jar. And um, essentially the task of, uh, you know, of humanity is to sort of like try and work with this incredible infinite power, which is at first in the discussion, it's almost impossible. As the light comes in, you know, it shatters these, these vessels. Um, now, the, the shattering of these vessels uh, essentially is kind of like sparks, spiritual sparks, um, um, which, which disperse everywhere. And the task of humanity, or specifically Am Israel, is to identify all these divine sparks in everything that exists and, um, and uh, to try and gather it in by re releasing it from its uh, physical casings and allow it to come back together again and rejoin, uh, you know, so to speak, the, the, the spiritual realm, try and fix up what was, what was shattered. So in other words, the vessel wasn't uh, able to contain Hashem's um, uh, power at a certain point, but by working with uh, trying to uh, bring the vessel back and find all the sparks of holiness uh, that exist in the world, the way we do this and we we bring these ideas back to back to the original original source. So um, this is really a kind of a description of what uh, of what's happening over here in Arizal's uh, interpretation. And so, how does how does one uh, how does one look at a physical universe with lots of sparks of holiness in there, and how do you bring everything back together again? So, the result developed a system which says like this: that that the world of Torah and mitzvot is the vehicle through which uh, a human being engages with the world, and every act of mitzvah that one does is essentially you know, collecting sparks of holiness and putting them back together in a way that becomes what we call a tikkun, a, 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 a fixed existence. And so uh, this is the task in a way of, of mitzvah. Um, so when you look at the world of commandments that Hashem has given us with this intention of, of collecting, releasing the sparks of holiness uh, in order to uh, make the vessel stronger to contain Hashem's uh, holiness, um, you start to see the words that are used in halakha having deeper dimensions. So just for an example, if you say something is uh, prohibited, you shouldn't do this, or something is 
recommended. It's it's permissible. The words that we use in Hebrew are asur or mutar. Now, asur means prohibited. Uh, mutar means permissible. Now, from a Kabbalistic vantage point, the word asur uh, in its uh, in its Hebrew, it has different dimensions. Yes. No question, Asur means it's prohibited to do something. But the Hebrew word with the root, Aleph Samach Reish, um, that word actually means to be tied up. Uh, something is tied. It can't move. It's Now, when, when you talk about something forbidden, you, you know, it shouldn't be released. It should be restrained or constricted. In other words, there's a spark of something there, and uh, the spark is trapped within this particular entity. And at the time that, the, in, if you want to get the spark out of there and release it, you know, you've got to go from Asur, where a spark of holiness is captured, and our idea is to release it and then fix it up. So what, what you've got to do is as follows. If you, let's just say, for example, you're going to drink a glass of water. So Hashem creates this water. Inside the water, there are uh, aspects of sparks of holiness, which at uh, the beginning of our discussion are trapped within. And you, uh, they, you, you can't drink the water without recognizing that it came from Hashem, making a bracha, for example. Um, and by actually making the bracha over the water, you now are allowed to drink it. So it went from Asur to mutar, from restrained or constricted or entrapped to be something that was now released. And the word mutar, lahatir, means to, to untie, to free something. So when you, when you without Kabbalah, you're just looking at um, the idea of a human being benefiting from the world in which Hashem placed us. The halachic approach is, is that the whole world uh, belongs to Hashem. He then gives it to a human being to benefit from. And until we recognize uh, that, that everything belongs to Hashem and He created it all, um, we're not allowed to benefit from it. It's like we're sort of stealing. Um, we get permission to benefit once we, once we make a bracha and recognize that Hashem created it. Yeah, you've got to go a little bit deeper to say, yeah, it's not just that it was um, prohibited before you you made a bracha, and, and you know it's 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 that within the water itself, within every physical uh, entity in the universe, there's something of holiness there, some some bit of Hashem's presence, which which uh, a spark of holiness, which was which was um, entrapped there as a result of the fact that the original physical entities could not contain Hashem's holiness. And it was as a result of uh, the human being's engagement with uh, the physical world, uh, extracting these sparks of holiness, using them to 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 now recreate these uh, these uh, a bigger and a stronger vessel. And as a result of human engagement with the world through these spiritual pathways, uh, we will eventually put together, like redo this uh, vessel with all the sparks of holiness and um, uh, rectify, elevate these uh, holy ideas to a state of holy being, which will eventually culminate in uh, the complete repair of, uh, of this drama that took place at the beginning of creation. And so the water, you know, is the water contains um, these sparks of holiness. It, con it doesn't allow them to come out. By us engaging through a spiritual pathway, we uh, we so to speak unlock the 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 spark of holiness within everything physical, and we extract it from there and elevate it to let's call it a uh, to join a, a a a much higher spiritual qualitative uh, vessel which uh, which comes out of there. So making the bracha. It's after making the bracha that 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 blessing, the recognition and engagement with spirituality, now is matir. It releases the 
this the holy spark within and now it's free to rejoin uh, the original source um and and it's not just the water that is now elevated but it's also the physical entity that holds the water so anything that's engaged within a, a mitzvah performance is uh is elevated is is sanctified is 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 physically uh, is uh, metaphysically uh, repaired that's called tikkun so every physical entity in the universe um is related to this uh explosion if you will the spiritual uh, physical big bang that took place at the beginning of creation and we have to repair the entire concept of existence and it's done through the world of mitzvah engagement and so the water and the the glass in which it's uh, in which it sits uh is part of that equation so the 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 holy sparks give purpose to the to the glass itself so you know we we sitting on on chairs that are uh, looking through a computer screen at each other in order to you know learn Hashem's Torah. Every physical entity in, involved in that equation has a kind of a tikkun. It's kind of like a, an 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 elevated process to to use that entity for something good and thereby uh, extract the spiritual building block of everything to uh you know to rejoin the original source which is Hashem himself so we are placed says Darizal in an you know in an imperfect um universe with the task to repair to be metakain uh to elevate every aspect of the universe and whatever we do that is for good uh, ultimately releases the sparks of holiness and and purifies it and this is really this cosmic the spiritual mystical cosmic approach to to what uh, to you know to to life uh, and so what you've seen over here is um the Rizal's description not just of uh i don't know i'm not saying it's a I'm not, I'm not trying to denigrate Ramosha Cordovero, but what is added to the whole discussion over here is that there's this grand um, engagement, uh, more than engagement. It's a divine mandate from Akosh Baruch Hu to, to, to go into this world which physically needs to be purified, elevated, repaired, and, and uh, achieve that repair. And everything in the world of physicality is connected to this uh, to this uh, su supreme uh, activity of uh, of tikkun olam of, of repairing the world and failure to to achieve this. You know, if we use the entity for something that is um, not mutar, that is something that won't release holiness, but it will be used for the opposite. The minute we use it to violate Hashem's values, then you end up burying the sparks, the holy sparks, deeper and deeper uh, into the fabric of whatever physical entity you are you are working with. Uh, and this is the kind of um, struggle between uh, the sparks of holiness uh, being released for, for, uh, for Tikkun and the sparks of holiness being buried deeper within any physical entity when we use it for uh, you know for a value that's against what Hashem had intended um, and so the Arizal introduces to our lives and the world of the world of mitzvot um, a redemptive quality but on the level that is cosmic um, whatever you do believe it or not has impact far greater than you'd ever expect. A human being's activities, um, your thoughts, actions, deeds, speech, everything is is uh, is to be seen on a on a level that 
that high enough and more powerful enough than than you could ever imagine. And every human being who's created in the image of God is essentially given a soul of sorts, a spiritual neshama, which is equipped to contribute to this uh, to this divine mandate. And depending on how, depending on the quality of the neshama, in other words, uh, if you uh, if you if you sort of depict Hashem in in a, in a in a a, bo- a form of a body, just for the sake of uh, description here, uh, so then you you can get a you can get part of Hashem that came from uh, the heart, from his elbow, from his toes, from his head, and and uh, the quality of the nature of the neshama um, is given to each human being differently, and as a result of that uh, qualitative spiritual power force that 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 that, that, that powers your body, um, whatever you achieve in this world is related to the to the the, the level of where that neshama is holding. So this is a, a controversial idea here, but that Amistral's neshamas are taken from, if you can call it the highest level of holiness, and therefore a Jew's neshama is described as uh, the most powerful group of neshamas that exist in uh, you know in the world. And our, our neshamas coming from this high-level place of spirituality, therefore, are so crucial to the repair of the world. And that puts the Jewish people in the center of of creation in uh, in this particular in in the Rizal system, and part of our belief system, the chosenness of the Jewish people, is tied up with this this very idea. And so, every human being is 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 uh, empowered uh, to help the world repair itself. Um, Am Israel have a unique position in this equation. And this is the concept of being chosen, and um, and this, of course, introduces a whole new viewpoint on what the the, the mission of Am Yisrael is. Um, it joins the world around us. We all here to be mitakein olam, but 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 the the emphasis and the ability for the for for uh, Yiddish and Shoma to contribute to that exercise is. Uh, by, by, by Hashem's uh, divine providence ordained in this in a, in a hierarchy of which we're sitting at the at the apex of that and um, every human being within Am Yisrael is also given an Ashoma with a unique quality which uh, which can which needs to engage with this uh, physical universe um, in order to do the exact same thing and so what the Arizal has done just by uh, developing this idea, you know, through his understanding of the Zohar uh, and of Shem Bar Yochai's teachings, which uh, all stem, in a way, from Rabbi Akiva and uh, his interpretation, going all the way back to Moshe Rabbeinu through the various the chain of tradition here, it, it's all taken from there. There's no... The Rizal didn't invent... Um, a, a, a Torah. It, it was all based on, on, on the original Torah given to Moshe Rabbeinu at Sinai. What he did was clarify it in a in a way that uh, he clarified the Zohar um, and created what we call a system where if you can unlock, if you understand the Arizal's uh, Torah, you, the Zohar becomes clear. Without the Arizal's Torah, um, it's very hard to interpret what's going on here. And at the same time, you can see how motivating this approach uh, to life is. Um, the minute you are told from, you know, the, the minute you can understand things and you're told that what you are doing is engaging in tikkun olam, you're redeeming the world, the the, the energy that, that the Arizal's Kabbalah, you know, invests into our system, you know, is is one of the most motivating approaches to uh, human existence. You are basically told that you are saving the world. 
So Ramosha Cordovero uh, engaged in saving and elevating the human being through an ethical uh, system of elevation and repair. Uh, human being is elevated to a unique ethical being. Uh, the Arizal is looking to uh, repair the entire world with his concept. Um, and you have these two dovetailing to a degree where the idea of repair and tikkun is brought into um, our, our world of spirituality. Um, but the focus, the emphasis is very, very different. Um, and the, I would say the result idea, you know, has captivated probably the majority of the Jewish people um, more than anyone else's idea. And the study that 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 the Arizal's um, principle uh, um, motivated was a deep Kabbalistic understanding of almost every single activity that a human being engages in, and not only the activity itself, but the but the vessel used in order to achieve whatever you're achieving. So if you if you are if you buy if you buy into the system, you know completely you know everything you do like from you know from the food that you eat to the clothes that you wear to the you know every single physical aspect of the universe you know minerals vegetables animals humans are all intertwined in this most uh you know energizing and redeeming um equation of repairing the universe and uh you you can see how motivating this idea is it's like uh everything you do has meaning everything you say is recorded and and for and for good purpose and god forbid for the and the opposite um time is sanctified places are sanctified uh, you know this is a you know we are sitting in in sydney australia not just stamazoi because uh, we how did we land up here? Why, why are we here? Well, you know, we've, we, what are we doing here? Well, there are holy sparks that need to be redeemed from this part of the planet. And therefore, you know, setting up a, a, a Jewish community here is part of that extraction process. Um, it, it's, it's a massive scenario. And every human being that's on the face of the planet is likewise charged with being metakein olam, you know, this is a, you know, this whole concept is um, is is communicated to us through uh, through the doctrine of shvirata kelim, which is a very this is this is uh, this is not Ramosha Cordovero at all, you know, this shvirata kelim, you know, is different to shvirata midot, you know, breaking down you your 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 character. This is, um, you know, this is the vessels of the world of physicality uh, unable to contain the power of Hashem's light. This, this is Hashem's divine providence creating this, uh, this scenario where the vessels shatter and need to be put back together again by, uh, by all of humanity. Um, so there was an original picture of what uh, Hashem, so to speak, and godliness looks like. It then shatters into millions of pieces, and our job is to put the puzzle pieces back together again. Uh, and the eventual and the eventual picture that emerges uh, at the end of days is that all of a sudden Hashem's picture or the picture of that Hashem allows us to see um, the knowledge or the consciousness. I think is the better way to put it. The consciousness of Hakadosh Baruch Hu will become uh, so amplified that there won't be any aspect of the physical physical creation that is that is not aware of Hashem's uh, presence to the nth degree, that that level of godly consciousness is a is a messianic principle, and uh, we have to do our bit to to bring the world as close as we can to that particular that particular point. So, um, the, yeah, this this is kind of like a. Uh, I guess an introduction to one of the, you know, one of the main 
uh, Lurianic uh, doctrines um, within uh, the Rizal or Lurianic Kabbalah that isn't present um, in uh, in the Moshe Cordovero's approach. Um, again, not to put Moshe Cordovero down at all, but but the focus and the emphasis. Um, one could argue, in a way, that uh, that you you need a you need a balance of both. I mean, let me let me let me try and say uh, at least the way I at least the way I've uh, I've understood it. Um, there's always been a there's always been a kind of a tension between various approaches to serving Akosh Baruch Hu. A tension in a good way, and 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 sometimes a tension in a bad way. You know, we we argue a lot. We argue about the best way to approach Hashem. What's the most su- successful way of approaching approaching Hashem? Um, now, one could argue, in the way at least I've experienced it, like this. Um, this argument um, that I'm, I'm going to share with you is, is, I think, it's a well-known argument. But the argument was that. Um, Intellectual development was always celebrated. Uh, you know, you have a person who's bright or gifted, and you know, you put them on a pedestal because they uh, they 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 sharp. They know they can analyze. They can like intelligence allows you to learn and grasp. And so, you know, to become an, an intellect or to be given that gift and then to hone it for the sake of Hashem is like a. It, it's something we all we all wish we could be part of. Um, obviously, only certain people reach the top of the pyramid. But in the world of of of, uh, of Yiddishkeit, especially especially since the days of the Talmud, and until um, until the uh, era of Kabbalah reaching us through Moshe Kodavera and Narizal, and the you know advent of Hasidism, etc., there was always this kind of tension, especially in those years between. The intellectual elite and everybody else. Um, those who are supreme rationalists would 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 talk, look at the hierarchy of humanity in a way that, you know, everything is there to serve those people who can communicate, understand the lofty ideas. So, you know, possibly using a a Rambam term, we would say that you know all the neshamas in the world are there to serve. Uh, those Torah scholars who are the receptacle of the values and can teach those values, and you know, so everything is designed to 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 help to help the Torah scholar get to where he has to get. So you need everybody to help the knowledge or the godliness, you know, be taught to everybody else. And those people who in, who are able to do so need to be supported by everybody else. That's a very uh, rationalistic uh, elitist approach in the hierarchy where you put uh, if you can call it intellect on the ped- on a pedestal but humanity then shows that intellect is not enough because if you just sit with intellect you see where it can go you can create an evil genius too and even within Yiddishkeit you can ha- you can create you can use all your talents in the name of of Torah and achieve terrible things you know, so you can't just rely on intellect. There's got to be a, you know, something else, and that is, of course, the refinement of character. And so, you know, in the let's just let's put it in 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 uh, in the world that I came from, you've got Talmud, which let's say for the sake of this discussion, Gomorrah represents intellect on the highest level. You can learn Gomorrah well, you know, you're a, you're a, you're a, you're on the pedestal. But at the same time, uh, we we need to refine a person's character. Otherwise, that ability to learn can can cause damage. And 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 the balance between good character and and intellect, you know, is something that needs to be uh, worked on um, with with every bit of energy we have. The Musar movement that we that we often refer to, Musar is ethics. It, it was a a movement that sought to balance and refine our, uh, you know, these two concepts. Um, 
And and the big debate ensued in 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 the world of Lithuanian Torah as to how you know Musar was needed to protect and to guide uh, the 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 power of intellect that everybody was using to 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 keep mitzvot and and live spiritually without refined character you know intellect on its own was going, was was very vulnerable to distortion. And this became the major tension within the Jewish world. So what Rabbi Shal Salanta and the Musar movement did by forcing us to focus on, on development of character and character traits, midot, as uh, creating, if we can call, a, uh, a, a, a beautiful vessel or vehicle through which one's Torah knowledge could be refracted through, that, would, that, that was an important point. And what the Musar movement did, you know, to the world of of of, uh, of halachic and Talmudic knowledge and study, you know, it contained it, refined it, elevated it. What the Musar movement did to the Talmud, I would say that that's that is a way of explaining the the difference here between Rav Moshe Cordovero and Narizal. Again, I, I'm saying this on my own bat. So, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, you know, if I would see it, if I would see it written uh, in a textbook somewhere, in a safer, you know, I'd feel a, a little bit more comfortable in, in being convinced that this is true. But seeing that I haven't uh, yet seen this type of description, it's just my own intuition from uh, from learning through or trying to, to, to distill the difference. Uh, it may it may be said by many in different ways, but this is what to me uh, I see of Moshe Cordovero's Kabbalah as you know personal ethical refinement. At least what I've read in in that one sefer, you know Tomer Devora. Obviously, his Kabbalah is much bigger than that, um, and uh, the Arizal certainly recognized and respected, and you know the Moshe Cordovero's type of Kabbalah. So uh, I'm doing a bit of a disservice by being specific about this one area, but it's the one area that uh, at least I can understand properly um, where the Kabbalistic principles are used to refine a human being. And so, and so this is, uh, and, you know, for myself, this is the way I understand it, that there are, there are Moshe Cordovero, he's, he's, uh, he's, 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 um, his principle, his doctrine is, uh, that that the human being is there to save or elevate a human being's personality, whereas the Arizal is talking something much broader. It's almost like that Talmudic approach within the world of Kabbalah to see uh, the entire presence of Hashem and comprehend it, and thereby, of course, be metakain. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that the same tension that existed within the world of Lithuanian rationalist learning where there were those who said, not just good enough to be an intellect, you have to be a good person. Otherwise, the intellect is a problem. And Moshe Cordovero's Kabbalistic approach is to be a good person via Kabbalah. And now Rizal's uh, approach is to repair the world through an understanding of Kabbalah. It's kind of a, 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 a sort of a, a bit of a mirror image, at least what I'm trying to uh, suggest over here. Um and and I, and I would say that my, I would say a lot of people. I, had a, I would say I would say that most of us. Um, it's so much harder to change a character of one to to repair a character flaw in one's own personality than it is to gain more knowledge. And I think this is this is part of the kind of attention that why is the Arizal's Kabbalah so exciting and so motivating and probably the system that's 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 been accepted and focused on more than any other um there's a lot of enjoyment there but the part that i'm cautioning everybody about is that we get intoxicated by magnificent intellectual um you know gymnastics which i'm not saying is wrong at all gymnastics is not a way of saying that it's not an, an it's not of an art form you know it's it's true, but we often we often forget that um, 
this knowledge, you know, can this knowledge can sit separate from from your from your pers persona, it can be entrapped in your mind and not filter through to you as a person. So you can have a just like you can have a, a world class Talmudist who um, who basically uh, uses that intellect, you know, for self aggrandizement and uh, and personal um, you know personal gain, and and thereby uh, degrade all of Torah knowledge. Um, the same thing is true with Kabbalah. You can get stuck in in your head with all this fancy footwork. And you can forget about the Rabbi Moshe Cordovero's system for a while um, to our detriment because character is so much part of this equation. And obviously it's not to say that Arizal says don't work on your character. Um, but just as the uh, just as the great greatest Talmudists of of of, of history uh, you know have not ignored the idea of good character either. But you sort of get the focus, you know. It took a it took a, a kind of a, 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 a took some it took people to 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 bring this to our attention, and that's why I uh, you know I see the same thing happening over here within our world today. That uh, Kabbalah, people, a lot of people study it, but but somehow you'll sometimes find that how come it hasn't elevated the character of the individual? You know, you can be. Um, you can have the greatest uh, kavanot spiritual intentions, you know, while uh, you know, while engaging in physical activity together with mitzvah. But we've always been cautioned that you know you can make the the bracha over that food or glass of water with the utmost intentions to repair the entire world. Um, but you can also end up uh, drinking in the water. In a manner which is uh, which is degrading, like a behemoth, and so you've got to ask yourself, you know, what's almost what's the point? And the point is, I think, to combine the two, um, and not lose sight of the fact that that all of us, you know, and um, need to go through both. You need to be motivated and energized, enthusiastically about seeing, uh, you know, being metake in olam through the world. Of mitzvah and gathering the sparks and releasing this the 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 the, the sparks of holy all that is, is amazingly motivational, a lot more than working on how to speak nicely and how to be respectful and how to work on one's anger management and you know all all the stuff that we know about but 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 so many of us can't stand working on because it's like so hard the work to actually get in there to your personality. But but I just needs to bring it back into focus here that the work has to be done on 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 all these levels. So anyway, this is just my uh, understanding of of uh, of reading through the various uh, descriptions of of what uh, of what these concepts mean, and uh, again introducing you to you some of the these ideas. Now the Arizal didn't invent it. Again, it's important to know that these ideas are expressed in the words of the Rishonim, going back to the Mishnah, the Gomorrah, and 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 obviously are all related to Torah Misenai. But but the the unique individuals who graced our world with an ability to clarify them and allow systems to be to be um, you know to be put in place. Uh, this was the the gift that um, great people like the Arizal, you know. Uh, you know, um, gave us so. It's really quite a uh, an interesting. You know, we should we may have an opportunity to go through um, other concepts of kabbalistic concepts. You know that uh, you know that that come out of the result. But you can you can see as well that if you've got if you've got this approach that the entire world is actually open to you. It's almost like uh, Einstein looking for. The building blocks of the physical universe, and with his unbelievable intellect, trying to find you know how everything fits together. This is exactly what uh, Lahabdil Darizal is doing, and so 
you know, when when a when a mind of Einstein is looking at the physical universe and, and breaks it down, you know, into uh, incredible mathematical notation, where you can see almost every single molecule, atom, and how it all comes together, Darizal is doing this or showing us how, how to do it via his system of Kabbalah. And so every spiritual molecule, every spiritual atom is perceived by him uh, as, as, a, as, a, uh, as a great scientist will, will perceive, um, you know, the, the ones and zeros, you know, uh, in, in, in computers, etc. So this is why we're going to maybe spend a bit of time, uh, if I can call it, it's, it's very entertaining, but, but appreciating the almost, almost what you'd call the magical side of Kabbalah, where you can, how do things, you know, we're going to, we're going to, I'm just going to describe it to you next time we meet uh, in more detail, but the ability for a human being to walk in a, in a field and recognize that there's a particular uh, stone that 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 in, that that holds some spiritual entity within, um, and identify that and release it, or look at an animal, a bird, and say that the, a certain soul is trapped within. To be able to look at a a, a field and say there's a a human body that's buried deep beneath here. And we should put up a monument, a gravestone to mark it, uh, and who it was. You know, this stuff is already, um, this stuff is already above and beyond what we normally uh, see within the world of uh, of knowledge, spiritual knowledge. We we, uh, we don't have this ability at all to identify on that on that level, you know. But this is exactly what the Arisa was able to achieve. So. Uh, please God, next time uh, we'll we'll get into this um, entertaining side of it. You just, you know, your your jaw just drops when you have uh, authentic uh, descriptions of um, of uh, of the use of 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 mysticism of Kabbalah in the service of Hashem. You know, through holy people like the Arizal, where it's actually corroborated and written down uh, and brought to the point where to the best of our knowledge, this is completely and wholly true. So, and that's why it becomes so astounding because it's not just a story that's it's witnessed and corroborated by the greatest of people. And then you just like are in awe of how a person can detect, you know, these spiritual sparks. So we uh, we've got a lot of work to do to um, to understand the principles and then show you you know, the applications of some of these principles and how to identify them. So uh, anybody who was living in Tzfat, you know, in, in that particular era, you know, uh, in the in the 1500s, uh, in theory, was uh, could have witnessed um, discussions and, and ideas uh, which are incredibly uh, powerful because uh, it's there that, that the application of these concepts was was what it put in play. I mean, I, we we don't know what happened in the times of the Talmud that were even more majestic. But th this kind of this kind of modern human experience is recorded for us to uh, you know to discover. All right, so I'll I'll leave you there, and um, uh, we'll we will see each other again. Please God next Monday, and we'll continue on this uh, on this path. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Thank you so much, Rabbi. Incredible. All right. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. All the best. Thank you, Rabbi. Cheers. Cheers.